0: Reenacting that now. Do you want to change that about yourself?
1: Oh, yes. Hi there, everybody. I am so happy to be with you. Had a little bit of trouble getting on tonight. I think it may be because I am starting a second show. But one of the things that I absolutely know is it would take wild horses to keep me away from getting to talk with you about sex addiction, partner trauma, and tonight it's going to be mindfulness. And, you know, one of the things that I believe about life in general, but certainly uh, for sex addicts and even partner trauma, is that mindfulness can be so important to restoring your sense of self and managing the triggers. And it just has so many advantages. And so I'm excited that I'm going to be talking to Claire Keynes tonight who is discussing mindfulness in recovery. I mean she's going to be sharing how she helps addicts to move out of that autopilot state. You know that autopilot state that we all can go into, but if you're an addict, you get into that because of the um the numbing that occurs naturally. And that is so important um to be present and to have gratitude for what is. And so I'm just so happy that we've got an expert. Uh, she's part of the Kane Center. She founded that. And she really believes that mindfulness means paying attention in a particular way on purpose, in the present moment, and non judgmentally. That's a John Cabot Zinn quote. And she has figured out how to apply it to addiction. And, you know, one of the things that I know to be true is that clearly partners who have been betrayed can also use mindfulness to calm the body down, to get centered, and to pay attention to what is within them. And when that happens, wow, I can't emphasize enough what is going on within the body when you feel that sense of um, serenity, centeredness? So I can't wait to talk to her. In the meantime, um, one of the one of the problems of addiction and one of the problems of sobriety is when you try to do too much of your own recovery by yourself. So if you're somebody who is really white-knuckling it, you're trying to get healthy. Maybe you have a counselor, maybe you don't. Maybe you've been to a couple of 12-step groups, maybe you haven't. Maybe you're just engulfing yourself in reading. I would encourage you, To explore a whole variety of, shall I say, ingredients into the recovery process to make your recovery um, easier, more manageable. And when you do that, you know, when you develop fellowship, you're not all by yourself. And when you uh, do the important readings, whether it's spiritual or recovery, um, you become enlightened. You know, one of the things that I offer uh, through ITAP, through the Institute for uh, Addiction Trauma, is a recovery kit that Dr. Patrick Carnes developed, and it's the first 120 days of recovery. Now, you really don't have to start at day one. You can very easily um, pick that up and and start working the concepts, because it really has you dialoguing with your addict. It has you um, positioning yourself in such a way that you are able to show the addict that you absolutely know better than that part of yourself that gives in to cravings and urges and immediate gratification. And so uh, it can really enhance the recovery process. You can always contact me at carol, at carolthecoach.com, and I can talk to you about where you can get that kit or I can send you one specifically. It's not cheap. I sell them at my cost, which is $300, but it is a great way to get started through the first four months of your journey of recovery. And I'm going to just do a couple of commercials. You know, one of the things that I really believe in is AFAR, and that is the, um, the foundation, if you will, for addiction studies. And you know that I have written a book, I've compiled it, Um, From Blog Talk Radio on sexual addiction. And it's called Sexual Addiction Wisdom from the Masters. And AFAR, the American Foundation for Addiction Research, is really working diligently with Dr. Patrick Carnes to create studies that will show the psychiatric and diagnostic manual. Uh, the next time around, that sexual addiction is real. You know if you're a sex addict or you know if you're a partner that there's a lot of people that they don't understand what sexual addiction is. They think it's just bad behavior. They um, think it's a moral issue, a spiritual issue, and they don't know that it exemplifies personal, social, and issues that, globally encompass all disciplines, you know, we have addiction issues across the board, but sexual addiction is a process addiction, and it is by far the most difficult to treat. It's the most difficult to find recovery from because it is everywhere around you. Unfortunately, that's what makes it so tough for partners, too, because they realize that it's everywhere around them and so I really highly recommend that you go to my website sex help with Carol the coach and you download um, the electronic version of sexual addiction wisdom from the masters I have a chapter in here Dr. Carnes has a chapter in here Claudia Black has a chapter in here uh, Dr. Michael Barda has a chapter in here Ken Adams has a chapter in here I mean, okay, I'm not saying me, but we got some of the sex experts in the world who have contributed to this book. I love Dr. Barbara Steffens who wants to tell you why you should seek a partner-sensitive therapist. She's in here. You know, I'm on that board. Um, these people, a lot of these people I know a lot better now than I did then it talks about attachment, and it talks about mother enmeshment issues, and it talks about defenses, and it talks about meditations for creating healthy sexuality. It is a plethora of knowledge, and it, and, and every penny of it goes to AFAR for sexual addiction research. So please go to my website, Sex Help with Carol the Coach, and. Get the electronic version, or if you email me at carol, at carolthecoach.com, I will send you a hard copy, and I'll autograph it for you. Um, So we'll have to figure out a way for me to invoice, you know, send you an invoice, and you pay for it in the shipping and handling, but I'd be happy to do that because I really believe in this mission. I really believe in this project, and, you know, as therapists, we do our very best not only to help uh, teach you the skills and the tools that you need to create a better life for yourself, but we also want to make the world a better place. And it is one step at a time, one day at a time. Uh, it's progress, not perfection, and I am feeling so fortunate to be part of this movement. Because it is epidemic, it's only going to get worse, and if you're listening to the show, then you already are en route to making a difference um, in your own life and in the lives of others. So I appreciate that you're a pioneer in this field with me. And that's what I truly, truly believe, that we're all pioneers. This has been around for a long time, but never has it been around to the degree that it is now because of the three A's. It is affordable, it is accessible, and um, it is anonymous. And when you can participate in an illicit behavior that somehow meets an immediate gratification um, and you think there aren't going to be any consequences, you go for it until you realize there are huge, huge consequences everywhere. So, again, I am so happy that um, there are so many people that are willing to work in this field and make a difference. Like our uh, expert, Claire Keynes, who will be sharing how she helps addicts to move out of that autopilot state that has occurred from numbing. You know, mindfulness is is an absolutely wonderful opportunity to make a difference and to live in the moment and experience every second. So we're going to be talking about how to do that. In the meantime, I just want to encourage you to get a piece of paper, take some notes, because... Claire has made it her mission to do mindfulness, and she has, she has seen how it has worked with addiction through and through, and you just can't get this kind of education without talking to an expert. So I am excited to be having her on the show. Claire, welcome to the Sex Help with Carol, the coach show.
2: Hi, Carol, and hi, everyone.
1: Yes, they're all excited to hear. Tell us a little bit about your program. I mean, mindfulness, I, I remember talking to um, Dr. Caldwell of the Meadows, and he said if there's one thing an addict needs more than anything, it's the ability to be mindful of their self and their addiction so that they can move it away and live the life they deserve. So tell us a little bit about how you got involved in this. Uh,
2: Well, I was, I guess, interested in this thing called mindfulness probably over – I I was thinking about this. Oh, It had to be uh, over 20 years ago, and I read the book, um, Wherever You Go, There You Are, by Jon Kabat-Zinn. And I just looked. I actually was fact checking myself to see when was it that was published, 1994. So yes, it was 24 years ago that it was published. I read it, and from there I was interested enough in meditation, mindfulness meditation to have it on as a goal, as a personal goal, every year for about 20 years. Um, that you know, I put. You know, at the year end or the beginning of the year, you know how people put their goals, and I'd put meditate, and I, you know, the rest I I I did not practice meditation in that traditional sense. I I had did I and finally I took it off the goal list. I said no, doing 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 it differently.
1: Okay, so tell me a little bit about. What that meant for you to meditate.
2: Ah, so what I came to and this it was interesting because I when it came off the goal list, it was like I practice mindfulness. It's non traditional in this sense, but it's 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 still mindful. I move to music every day and that is my mindfulness. I go to the gym every morning and I do my whatever I do my routine, and that is my main practice, my daily practice of mindfulness, and that works for me. So but when I you respond, get to. The gym,
1: how do you get in state? I'm sorry. How do you get in the state I'm, I'm, of mindfulness in the gym?
2: Ah. I pay very close attention to my, what my body is doing. In fact, I have a mirror that you know I can see, and I see my posture, and I see every bit. So if I if I'm shifting a little to the left or the right, I see that, and I can. And now it's come to the point, uh, Carol, where I can feel it in my day-to-day life. I can feel when I'm not aligned, and that mindfulness has carried over to other areas in, in my day-to-day life. And I have to tell you a funny story that happened very recently. In fact, I told this to the mindfulness group um, that I, that you know, that met on Sunday. I realized I start to, like, drop things and, like, things were spilling and dropping, you know, like like – to an abnormal extent, I I asked myself what's going on <laughs> that this is happening like it's it had escalated. I would drop things and so you know I started t- trying to research myself and say what is going on and I, I couldn't figure it out. So I asked my mentor. I said you know help me with this. You know do I can I use self hypnosis you know to, to 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 fix this and and you know she gave me some you know tips on like. You know, um get proper sleep and exercise, and I was doing all of that and there there were her words in this in her response, and they were do one thing at a time and do it very well and then um, and then you know i yeah i just i i had she, she it was this was through email and i and you know. I was moving through, you know, my day, and I found those words came to me. I I already had embodied them, that I, I was paying closer attention, just really doing one thing at a time very well. You know, it's interesting you say
1: that because clearly back in the 90s, everybody was encouraged to multitask. And what we have found is that when you multitask, you absolutely don't do as good of a job and you take away from that's that true, experience yeah. of being in the moment mm-hmm. and doing something really well.
2: Yes, that that's and that is not, you know, just you know, that is science. You you know that, girl. it's it's been it's science that our brains, you know, we can we do it? Can we do ten things? Yeah, but not well. And actually mm-hmm. it actually hurts us. <laughs> it actually hurts us.
1: So now, you do have obviously a mindfulness practice in your own life, and then I heard you just reference that you have a mindfulness group. Would that be on a sunday
2: yes uh, uh, it's an eight week program program it's it's a group and um you know, small group, and we meet, and there are specific things that we do. I, mean, I think you might be asking about that later, what specific um, practices do I teach in the group?
1: Mm-hmm. And so, obviously, you have made it your mission to help groups of people to learn mindfulness because you know that it's very effective for people who have addictions. Tell me how you made that correlation.
2: I went to a training sponsored by uh, the the group that trains uh, addiction, sex addiction therapists. And um, it was about mindfulness-based relapse prevention. And I was taken with, you know, what we did. Of course, we experienced it. You know, we lived it for it was like five days intensively we lived it. And it was awesome. And I made the decision this was probably three, four years ago. And I made the decision then. I want to take this and and you know use it and and teach it and and live it, and I did. I All right. So
1: then, what do you you know? So many people they want to meditate, but they either don't feel disciplined enough to stick with it, or aren't sure that they're doing it right. So, what would you advise people? Who um, are maybe being too hard on themselves about meditation and mindfulness?
2: Yeah, yeah, I, that that yeah, I understand that very well. So, don't like to meditate, quote unquote. Call it something else, and and I, right, I and mean, call it something different. And here's 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 what I'm what I'm thinking about that. A lot of people start the day with prayer. you know that's what a uh, you know a lot of people start that their day that way uh, other people start their day with setting an intention for the day which um, I do and it's somewhat the same thing in a way it's affirming what how you'd like to move through the day and m- more you know on a, on a larger scale move through through this life and that prayer or setting an intention for example an intention for for the day for me might be focus you know just one word and you know focus um, or you know the the more the fuller version is focus on doing one thing at a time very well and that is that is meditative you know is it the 45 minutes that they that that's the that the um the regular meditators who do do that, who that what they the t- traditional what they recommend, no, but you know it, it works. And if you don't like to call it that, and if you, you will never have 45 minutes a day every day for the rest of your life to, to do it in that way, do it differently.
1: Okay, so now let me just ask you what are some simple tips? for bringing mindfulness into one's life. I mean, what would you advise your clients who um, are either riddled with addiction or maybe are in good addiction recovery and want to fine-tune what they're doing?
2: Very good. And I, uh, what you just said is fine-tune. And the word that I use for bringing mindfulness into one's life, whether, you know, it's, you know, anyone... Um, tuning in so tuning in to what's happening in your within yourself in your body your thoughts and your emotions you know with small things that you do washing the dishes playing with your kids taking a shower i mean this, this is a really funny because a, a friend of mine a really awesome guy said <laughs> he said some showers are better than others and you know, I, that and I know exactly what he meant. It's like you can really pay attention and tune in while you're taking a shower. You know, you can you can feel you know appreciate. You can feel the water, you know, particular pressure. You know, hitting your body, your head first, and then your body, and then washing. You know, all of your and maybe the um, the scent of the soap and you know everything. So that is. A way of being mindful is really tuning in while you're taking a shower.
1: And so, obviously, if you really pay attention to something that you like, something that um, you enjoy experiencing, like a shower, how does that help your addiction?
2: Okay, so there's specific Mindfulness techniques for recovering addicts, um, and there are many, and there there are a few that I teach um, in in the group. And I'm going to give you three. Um, so, really, uh, well, yeah, I'm going to give you three. Is it okay to to address this now?
1: Absolutely.
2: Okay. So one is. Take three breaths, and there's, there's a particular way to do this. For example, if you're somehow activated, emotionally activated, or, 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 or reactive in a, in a given situation, inhale fully and hold, and then release forcefully. Another deep inhale, hold, release forcefully again. And then the third deep inhale, hold it and release gently and slowly. Simple, and right? I mean, that's that's rather simple. At, yeah, it's very simple. It. Ah.
1: So go ahead and explain how that would help addiction.
2: Ah, so you know that most addicts, um, especially those who are in active addiction, are on autopilot. They, they often react to thoughts and emotions and without really full awareness of what's happening and what the consequences will be of whatever the, the, their actions are. So becoming aware of what's happening in the present moment in their bodies, in their thoughts, and their emotions takes them out of autopilot and allows them to make choices that you know, will, will have them either stay in recovery or, you know, not in such a way that will be harmful to other people or themselves. And
1: so that process by which... Um When they're more in tune with what's going on inside and they're more um, congruent with that and they're more aware of that, that will stymie, if you will, kind of that addictive urge or craving. It will help to calm it or quiet it.
2: Yes, so yes, and there's, there's one in particular too, but the one I'll, um, I'll describe first is sober breathing. Sober is an acronym. S is for stop or slow down. O is observe, and that is exactly what we were just speaking about. Observe what's going on in your body, your thoughts, and your mood, your emotions. And then B would be breathe. And then gather your attention, breathe for a few moments. And then the E is expand. So that's expanding your awareness of your surroundings, the situation, and using your your breath to encompass your whole body. And then from there, having gone through those first four, then the R is respond.
1: And so with that acronym, that helps to remind them how to go through this process. So will you go through that one more time?
2: Absolutely. Stop, Mm -hmm. observe what's happening in your body,
0: your Mm -hmm. thoughts,
2: and your emotions, and then gather your attention and breathe for a good few moments. And then E, expand, expand your awareness of what's going on around you and using your breath to include your whole body. And then from there, you can see that there are an array of choices as to how to respond and respond having done those first four steps.
1: And You know, obviously, um that is an easy way of getting focused and centered and being very aware of how important the body really is. And let's face it, with addicts, they're more focused typically on urges and cravings and what is in front of them in terms of the future. So this is really a way to stay present in this.
2: Yes. Yes, and you notice that the very first thing is stop or slow down, so that you know you can kind of gather yourself before you react to a, a, a craving or an urge. You can you can actually slow that process down. You can slow yourself and the whole activation that kind of takes off unless it's slowed down. And actually well, it helps autonomous.
1: I think about Dr. Patrick Carnes, because you and I were both trained by him. Yes. And he did a whole recovery kit based on meditation, based on, you know, being really um aware of the present moment and obviously people that have been in this field of addictions know that, you know, to stay very focused as well as to be able to know that whatever thoughts, urges, cravings, this too shall pass as long as you acknowledge it and then watch it move away. It's it's really empowering.
2: Right. Yes. And it reminds me of, of the of the last actually you're you're we're on the same page urge surfing have you heard of urge surfing carol
1: no tell me about that
2: okay it's it's a it's a guided imagery that you can actually take yourself through i guide people through and i record it you know and then you know they have it i send it to them they have it to listen to it's imagining that desire or that that urge um as a wave that instead of you know waiting for it to to toss you about you actually surf that wave of whatever it is you know that that's going on you know desire urge or or somehow you know reactivity and you just ride that wave and actually you can image this and watch yourself surfing and you know that you I guess the wave, you know, um, crescendos or whatever it's called, it crests, and then you, you know, you kind of take it on through until it subsides. It's exactly what you're saying, it will pass, and there, there are ways to actually kind of help that along to to, to picture it as, you know, because the ocean, you know, the ocean is, is always, you know, is always kind of it built up, and then it kind of subsides.
1: And so did I hear you then say that one of the things that could be helpful with that is if you can imagine yourself riding that wave as opposed to it yes. sucking you up, it, actually riding it and, and experiencing that crescendo so that it does not have the power or the weight that we normally give yes. compulsions.
2: Yes. You know, I guess I know. I know a person would have to have some level of um, of solidity in, in, in first of all, in abstinence. You know, for, to start. You know, in sobriety, so that you know that if they imagine, if they if they stay with whatever is going on inside the urge or whatever, if they stay with it, that even in their head that they can actually manage to imagine themselves staying with the feeling for a good 90 seconds, you know. That, you know, I, I've been told that, say for a craving for food, let's say, you know, you crave ice cream. I've been told that 90, if you allow it to pass in this kind of a way, gently, that 90 seconds and it will go away.
1: And that's what Patrick yeah, Carnes says
2: different. Sorry.
1: I was going to say that's what Patrick Carnes says about um, sex, that if you can hang with that urge or craving and not let it take over you, but just notice it, observe it, you know, maybe you're going to do something zen like like imagine moving it away with your hand. Or maybe you're going to tell yourself this is normal, natural, and necessary, and it's not going to last. That it then takes the power away and allows you to breathe through it and move on.
0: Yes.
2: And so what there you was just some- said was a combination. What you said was a combination of visual imagery and cognitive grounding cognitive like talking to yourself reasoning kind of saying this who shall pass you know talking to yourself in such a way that you know it helps it helps um you telling yourself that i can get through this i will get through this
1: yeah i absolutely agree and you know it's interesting because everybody has a niche and for you You have made it your, I'm part of your center's um, offering to provide this mindfulness. Tell us a little bit about Kane Center and how people can visit that website.
2: Sure. The website is Cain'sCenter.com. I'll spell that. It's C-A-I-N-E-S Center dot com and you'll see when you go there there are a whole host of things, uh, which is probably the spinning plates, which is why I think I started to maybe drop a plate or two because uh, there are a lot of things that uh, that i I'm interested in, so uh, that is both very positive and also has um, effects uh, you know that i'm I became very mindful of and so um the addiction work is I would say sixty five percent of my practice is working with sex addiction, and um, I also am a hypnotherapist so i I work with people who have anxiety or 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 these kinds of things that are much more effectively helped through hypnosis, and I also work with addicts uh, with hypnosis interestingly, because people sometimes call and say can you hypnotize me to fill-in-the-blank stuff drinking wine? You know, no, I can't, but I can help with these kinds of things uh, that you and I are talking about, Carol. In other words, slowing down the process and, you know, really relaxing your body and, and mind so that in the case of hypnotherapy, it's open to suggestions that you, as the person seeking the help, have already identified as wanting, you know, wanting to happen. So that is, you know, it can work also for people in, in certain situations for addicts.
1: Oh, I at 100% agree with you. I, too, am a hypnotherapist, and I believe Hi. that people really want to find that power within themselves to make needed changes. And one of the things you and I do when we're facilitating some hypnosis is to give them presuppositions that there will be change. And, of course, they give us the kind of auto-suggestions they'd like to believe in and that power of looking at life differently, empowering yourself, maybe using some metaphors that are similar to – I'm an Ericksonian hypnotherapist, so I really mm-hmm. like to use of metaphors to help my clients make the changes they want to see in their life.
2: And uh, this is interesting that you mentioned metaphor, and I'm not sure how, you know, how much longer we're going to um, have the, the, the pleasure of speaking with one another, but I do want to share that uh, meditation, mindfulness meditation, really meditation has been likened. I think it was John kabat who said this, it's like training a puppy. <laughs> You're actually training your brain to respond differently. So that's, Practice. I uh, encourage practice, you know, in mindfulness as well as hypnosis. Because, say the sober breathing. When you're in that high risk or challenging situation, you're not going to think, "I'm going to go through these five steps," right? So it's really practice and practice, and that's why when you do, when a, a challenging situation does arise. It will be. It will just come, and that, it's it's actually uncanny how it does just show up that you show up that way, responding you know, the, yeah. in your most resourceful way.
1: So, how long have you been a hypnotherapist?
2: Twenty years.
1: Wow. So, mindfulness, <laughs> you've hypnosis. You're really a believer in using one's mind and their body to resource them through situations, whether it be anxiety, whether it be addictions, uh, whether it be conflict, you really say go inward.
2: I love those words, to source themselves. I I love that, Ah, to to take themselves into where their best resources are. And it could be, for some people, it could be strength other the people it could be calm, you know and and everybody's got all the resources that they need,
1: yeah, and and that is a a strong belief system that I find strategic therapists use gracefully. so I want to ask you, do you believe, which I already know the answer, but do you believe that practicing mindfulness helps with the normal facets of life? You know, uh, do you think that mindfulness can actually help your relationship?
2: Yes, absolutely. Because what are the most challenging situations that sometimes cause addicts to relapse? Interpersonal relationships, right? Whether it's partnership relationships or work, you know, things, things that happen at work or um let's say, your family of origin, like fa- Thanksgiving gathering. These are the things that, in my experience, I don't know if this has been, do you share this experience also, is that the biggest trigger that I've, you know, it, that happens. Some type of interpersonal conflict or or rupture, that's what that that is. So practicing mindfulness, yeah, because if you show up like that, you know, having gone, you know, responding from your most resourceful place in relationship, in work, would that not be, you know, the the way you want to be, and 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 work so much better?
1: Absolutely. And so, do you ever work with partners who've been betrayed from the sexual addiction?
2: Yes. Uh, my focus really is more with the addict, and of course, with addicts who are in relationships. You're always working with the partner and and all the other areas of and and other areas of their lives in mind. But yes, I, I felt I'm, most of my work is with the addict. Uh.
1: Okay, I didn't know because my experience, I'm a partner trauma specialist. And my experience is that they are so activated and so um, devastated by the chronicity of the sexual addiction or by the acute uh, discovery of sexual addiction. And so I just wondered if you ever use mindfulness with them in your sessions.
2: My understanding is that people who specialize in you know partner work they have to, you know they have to have some um the therapist has to have some tools that she uses to guide a partner to ground herself to you know to to center herself to actually of uh, that emotional reactivity. Of course, and so we're breathing the the five um, that acronym that would work for her. That would work. I'm, I'm using the female because it, it's just way easier um, because it, I work with male, um, you know, m- men uh, mostly. And so, yeah. So it it really does. I mean, how you know? I think it is helpful for everybody, you know, but especially partners because. That once they are out of that acute discovery and that that severe trauma, then then they can they can accept that yes, I can come to a different place by kind of slowing down the process.
1: Absolutely. So Claire, you've been very helpful in describing um, why an addict in recovery would benefit from practicing mindfulness in addition to just anybody. I mean, that's the beautiful thing. I always say I'm going to give you techniques that either reduce the stress and anxiety, the anger, whatever the feeling is, or to help prevent those things from occurring when they feel unmanageable. And so clearly mindfulness helps to dim it down, And also, I believe when you practice mindfulness, you're less likely to become as activated with urges and cravings. So it really has a twofold approach, doesn't it?
2: Absolutely, yes.
1: So as we begin to end the show, is there anything else that you want to add to let our listening audience know how important mindfulness is?
2: I think you've, you've expressed it, what you just said, Express it beautifully. And yeah, and if anybody has questions, um, there's a contact form on the com website. And, you know, please do feel free to reach out and, you know, just, you know, give me a shout out or just, you know, ask a question or, or say, you know, you know, I think this is really important, mindfulness, and I'm, I'm, I want to learn about it.
1: Well, and tell everybody what state and city you're located in, just in case you may be in their own backyard.
2: Sure. Um, I'm in northern New Jersey, so more toward the west. I have two locations in northern New Jersey.
1: Okay, northern New Jersey. And so, again, her website is www.kane.org. Center.com. That's C-A-I-N-E-S chains Center C-E-N-T-E-R Dot com And she's just invited All of our listening audience To contact her If you have any questions um, be- Before we leave Can you give three Book recommendations That help to describe Mindfulness and meditation That you really have found beneficial
2: uh, uh... The first one that I mentioned is he—he kind of wrote the book John Cabot's, and you know, in, 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 if you know uh, what I mean, it's called "Wherever You Go, There You Are," and his first name is J. O. N. And with that title, you will find that book uh, very quickly. And actually, I'm trying to think now what books, um, you know, uh, uh, clients. Recommend books that they've read often, you know that that you know they like, and you know I wish I had those titles to just say you know here are three, um, but that one uh, is 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 good, and he wrote another book also called Full Catastrophe Living, which has to do with mindfulness, particularly when it comes to um, a chronic uh, medical the uh, illness or, or so, things like that. But I think that one, you know, and I've recommended uh zinns book to other people also, and I, everybody has really benefited from it.
1: Got it. Well, thank you so much. You've made this very um, understandable. It's exciting to hear that this is an easy practice once you practice it. You know, it really can make yes. a huge difference.
2: Yes. Yes, and, and thank you so I, much.
1: Absolutely, I want to hear sometime about how you do hypnotherapy with with your patients. So, I'd love to have you back absolutely, on the show. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: yeah, thank yeah. you. Yeah, this has been fun. It's good. And and you you said that we're just going to talk like friends and yes, it it was great. So, thank you.
1: Absolutely. You have a great week and appreciate your help.
2: Thank you, and you too. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye. All right, so again, we have Claire that did a great job of asking questions. I have somebody else on the line that may have a question about mindfulness. Are you there?
2: Yeah, but I'm listening.
1: Oh, Ah. you're listening to the show. Okay, no questions about mindfulness or meditation. i appreciate you listening to the show thank you very much so we are working hard at understanding um, what tools are available to you that you can utilize within yourself and you just learned uh, about mindfulness and meditation hopefully you're practicing it anyway if not I truly believe, Patrick Carnes. says, it's one of the most important things you can do, and we all know he's the father of sex addiction, um, and his recovery kit was based on it. So appreciate you listening tonight. We have more um, topics next week. Uh, We are going to be talking with – I'm just looking it up for us. We're going to be talking to Alan Katz, who has a new book out, that he wants to share with us. And, um, again, I thank all of you for listening to the show, and I want you to know that there will only be one of you at all times. So fearlessly have the courage to be yourself. Have a great week.